What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the show. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, right here in the studio. Hey, hey, hey. Right in the middle of Lent. So last week, you kind of made fun of me about my Lenten music choice. Yeah. So this time, I was more intentional. (laughs) Now, okay, it's not Gregorian chant, but it's simple. Do you hear it? Is it like a banjo? It's just a bass guitar and a drum. It's it's simplified. Okay. You're toning it down for Lent. That's right. (laughs) Because we're usually just... Off the cuff, oh, rocking and rolling in the studio. Rocking it out, yeah. You're well, right. thanks everyone for tuning in the show on the podcast or the radio here in Acadiana. Great to be with you guys. And uh, yeah, so Adam, uh, interesting about last week's show, by the way. So if you ha- weren't able to listen to last week's show, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast. But, you know, I've kind of been forgetting to share the show, like on social media and whatnot. And I was like, oh, let me just share it. Like we're doing a Lenten series and I haven't shared it in a while. I mean, I look, yeah. I'm not like on the uh, edge of, you know, social. Yeah. Me neither. You know, I get fussed at all the time for not sharing. Stuff. But I also know like, Oh, if people don't know about it, then they, they don't know about it. That's so true. anyway, so I shared it. And uh, so I have a friend in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm gonna give him a shout out, but it's actually going to tie into the show. So you can listen to it from last week. We talked about a cat in a tree. Friend Matt is a, <laughs> um, he's a firefighter in Phoenix, Arizona uh, area. Now, look, so just just to note, like firefighters in Arizona, when we lived out there, they're a big deal. Like, like they're like, like really kind of like, I don't know, it's like, it's like a really big job. I grew up in a small town in Louisiana. We had a v- volunteer fire department. Mm-hmm. And our fire truck wasn't even red. Like, it was like a short <laughs> truce. Like, it was a hand-me-down <laughs> from like, you know, eight generations, you know, it was just sitting in a garage somewhere. Now, look, we live in Louisiana and firefighters are important and we have yeah. them, right? But we live in more of a lush, green, wet, you know, whatever. In Arizona, yeah. when fires go, I mean, all sorts of things can take place. They yeah, can I've spread. never thought like, about it's that. It's dry, it's desert. Massive like, crisis, yeah. Yeah. So firefighters are like a really big deal out there. So anyway, friend Matt didn't know he had a show. He listens because he saw it. And then uh, we talked about the firefighters saving the guy in the tree, <laughs> right, from the cat. Yeah. And uh, he's he was texting me. He's like, you know, I kind of found it funny because he goes, we tell people all the time, like, have you ever actually seen a, scat, a, a cat skeleton in a tree? <laughs> and they're like, no. Exactly. Like, cats, like don't get stuck in trees like they find a way down they're probably just up there like hiding from people right you climb up they climb down you're stuck and firefighters get called to get you out of the tree not the cat this is a normal thing for him like this is not unusual right it's not unusual and then they laugh and they're like you know have you ever seen a cat skeleton in a tree and (laughs) like no well it's funny you say that i ran into one of our listeners too who uh happened to meet from home of Louisiana, a little yeah. closer to home, but Father Alex Godet, yes, who says he listens to the show all the time. I met him through uh, work at the school. You know, we just connected on something, and uh, apparently, you impacted his life a good bit. He was talking a lot about. Shout that. out to Father Alex. I've been knowing him a long time. He's a great, great guy. Yeah, and uh, really love him. Yeah. Well, he revealed a side to me, a side of you to me that I didn't know was okay. There. What was that? You're like nourishing vocation side. Like he was talking about how important a role you played in his discerning the priesthood. And um, apparently that was part of your role back in Homo Thibodeau a mm-hmm. little bit. I'm sure you yep. had like several roles. But right. 
Um, anyway, so I, I'd never heard you kind of talk about that part of your life. I thought it was fascinating. I was like, wow. Yeah, it was cool. You Paul. know, when I was younger, by the way, <laughs> uh, you know, I did youth ministry and young adult ministry. And part of that was helping what young people uh, discern their vocation, mm-hmm. right? Like to, to pray and figure out what God's doing. And so, you know, oftentimes they're like, well, you know, what were you doing helping people figure out their vocation? Well, I, because that's what we're all called to help each other do, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do any type of ministry, you're helping people discern what God's calling them to do. And it was, it was cool because we, we had um, some really awesome things to help men and women, young men and women to discern their vocation. Yeah. Well, it worked in Father Alex's case. So. Well, the best thing that we did, I think, for Gretchen and I, you know, young family living at home, was we would just have people over at our house. Mm-hmm. A lot of young adults would come over, and, like, that was their vocational discernment, mm-hmm. right? Like, just hanging like out either with— either you love this and want to do it, or you're like, send me to the seminary. Yeah, I'm something. Not, I can't handle this. You know, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, just enter into life with people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I, I miss those days because that, that was cool. You know, as my kids have gotten older and, you know, like things are more spread out. Uh, but but those were some cool days. Yeah. Well, so, shout out to our great listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks, everyone, for listening. We're in the middle of Lent and kind of kind of journeying through Lent. Hopefully by the end of Lent we'll be, you know, better, closer to God, holier, you know. I, I don't so. know, move forward a little bit. Like just inch alone, snail's pace. So, snail's pace. Yeah. So do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. For real, though? Yes. So this actually happened today. This is how fresh off <laughs> off the... Uh, this is amazing about the internet. The presses. You know? But it happened today in a place down under, so in Australia. That's why we kind of... So go, yesterday there, right. today here. March 15th, which is when we're recording the show. So, I mean, look, this is as new as it gets, okay? Okay. But there's a guy named uh, Dennis in Australia Mm -hmm. who got a bit of a surprise when, if he was Catholic, he was breaking his Lenten penance. He went for a beer from his fridge. Okay. All right. But he got a bit of a surprise because this uh, seven-foot python happened to be hiding under his fridge and came out to surprise him. Now, that is an interesting story in and of itself, but what I find even more interesting... I'd call a firefighter. ...is what happened next. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have seen a snake skeleton under my fridge. Yes. <laughs> or I've seen people skeletons next to snakes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so he calls uh, a reptile specialist called Sunshine Coast Snake Catchers Okay. that have a 24-7 hotline in Australia. Now, okay. this is fascinating to me. Okay, but it wouldn't be fascinating <laughs> to you. If someone said, I called the alligator hotline. Right. That would make more sense. Here. But like this dude knew what to do. In other words, apparently this is a normal thing in Australia. All right. And the name of the specialist that arrived um, goes by Mullet Mick. (laughs) This is cracking (laughs) you up. This is real stuff, man. It's not Mullet Mick. It's Mullet Mick. Mullet Mick. Mullet Mick arrived on the scene and... uh, he he wrangled up the the seven foot python, wrangled, and um, then set the snake free. And they had they shared a beer after it was all <laughs> they over. Shared a beer. And uh, well, let me just say this: like the first person or thing that I would do was not call a snake hotline. <laughs> I'd call the 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 heart doctor. I'd yeah. be in cardiac arrest. A python just came out seven under my foot. fridge. 
seven foot. Like I'd have a I'd have a heart attack. Like if you'd say, Paul, like what would you rather? Jump off a ten story building or wrangle with a snake? I'd say jump off the, the ten story building. So snakes are like a thing. I mean, I'm I hate snakes. Wow. Now look, I don't know. I would run, but I I would go straight to the the, the doctor. <laughs> well, besides being just a fascinating story, I just thought. What a cool image for Lent. Like, if you go to break your penance, right? Like, you go to get that beer or whatever, and then the devil's waiting for you, man. Oh, my god! He's going to get you. He's going to get you. <laughs> Look, this is what happens when you break your Lenten fast, man. You know? Look out. <laughs> Look out, man. i tell you what. I've been weary of breaking my fast, and, uh, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, you know, you know, we shouldn't be so stern, but I mean, whatever the Lord's put on your heart to do, you know, we try to build that discipline in our mm-hmm. life, right? Like, like the virtue of discipline is, is the ability to like, you know, also clear our vision of what to say yes and what to say no to. If we don't have that discipline, like then we just, we just, you know, grow in like sloth and like apathy, you know? So like Lent's a good way to, to, to get in shape, spiritual mm-hmm. shape, you know, basically. Yeah. Speaking of like nine one one calls, like reptile, like we, we had an interesting situation. <laughs> Speaking this, of this, that, <laughs> yeah, this past Sunday, like a few what? days ago, we were in mass Sunday, and I was messing with you know a four year old getting her settled, and you know we're about halfway through, and uh, Gretchen takes off running, like, and I look over, and this there's this man who's passing out, and she just saw it and caught him. Right. So wow. I run right behind her when I looked up, she sat him down and he's like passed out having a seizure. It, oh and, my. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I just whip out my phone. I'm calling 911 in the middle of mass. I walk out, you know, which my friend Matt's probably like used to get 911 calls from, from churches. Cause you, you know, like you, you've people been around long out, enough, yeah. people pass out or, you know, I, you, you hear about a lot of, a lot of things. So anyway, that that was my mass on Sunday. Wow. You know, like <clears throat> so I'm I walk out, I'm talking to nine one one, and uh that was interesting because, you know, they were not fast. Let's just say that. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> it took a while. It took a while. So anyway, the guy ended up being fine. Like he they got him to the hospital, did test and you know, whatever. So um thank God it wasn't anything tragic, but you know, the ability, you know, my wife was saying is like she, she's been praying for just clearer discernment in her life. Like the ability just to, you know, which has kind of been cool. But, and she's always kind of said about herself, she's like, I'm not quick on my feet. Like I don't think quickly. And I was like, I was like, you totally were like, you thought like immediately. And she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I just, I just reacted, you mm-hmm. know, like I just did it. And I was like, that's like extremely quick discernment in a sense of like, it was almost like her eyes were looking for it, right? And, you know, Lent is about, like, just cleaning house, like, you know, unplugging the drains, like, like cleaning out the system, getting in shape. So, like, we begin to see life more clear, right? Like, like it's all, not all foggy and murky. Like, our decision-making can be immediate. This is good. This is bad. This is what the Lord's asking me to do. This is not like this is this is where I have peace. This is where I don't. Lent is this journey where we're 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 getting rid of the the the, the muck, you know. We're scrubbing down and we're we're you know like we're 
clearing our vision. We're wiping our glasses down, right? So that we can see clear. And by the end of Lent, it's like, yeah, like we're, we've built, you know, this ability to like really see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See and respond in a reactionary way. Like, like your wife Gretchen said, she just reacted, but it happened to be the right thing to do. And that's not automatic, right? Like a lot of us can react in poor ways in lots of situations, but when we, when we react well, that's the result of training. I mean, that's what professional sports is all about, right? Like you train yourself so well that in those moments where you don't have time to think that are split second that are, you know, the hundred mile an hour fastball or the whatever, your reaction is disciplined and well-timed and effective. And that's the whole point of training. And this is what Lent is for us, right? It's, it's a discipline, it's a training so that our reactions can be better in the sense of those moments in life where, you know, we don't always have the luxury, especially those who live in the world and not in a monastery, but even those in a monastery, we don't always have the luxury of like a thoughtful discernment about every decision, every thought we're going to have, every word we're going to say, every deed we're going to perform. We don't have the luxury of time, usually, to think it all through, weigh pros and cons. And so it's this discipline of discipleship. Right. That makes us actually like Jesus in the moment. Yeah, and I'm not talking about like things that bigger decisions that we actually need to process and discern and really, you know, pray on. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is like there's some things that you don't need to discern. Like mm-hmm. you have built up this virtue of discipline and practice that you know the right thing to do in the moment. It doesn't need to be discerned, right? Like you mm-hmm. don't, you know, sin or not sin. Like boom, you know, like you know, you, you make the choice that's very clear. You know, like my friend who's a fire firefighter. Like they go through so many drills and practices that it just becomes the immediate decision. They know what to do with, mm-hmm. in every situation, right? So do people who are trained in sports or the armed forces or whatever. Like you want people who ha- are trained and disciplined, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And you know, no offense to anyone, but like a, a volunteer is not going to be as good as someone who's a professional, right? Because they're just in the they're in the constant training and and you know rhythm of living that out you know in their profession for us as christians it's like like we're not volunteers in this mm-hmm. you know we're just not like oh we're we're just sitting on the bench and they're like oh you're in the game you're like oh man i haven't played in 4 years <laughs> you know i don't even have my cleats on or whatever the case may be it's no like we're we're all in the game mm-hmm. you know and lent is like you know, getting us back in shape. It's training us back to be able to live the life God's calling us to with the sense of immediacy and urgency and clarity and knowing what to do in each moment, you know, like, mm-hmm. like here's the, here's what God's asked me to do right now. And it just feels peaceful and clear. Like, uh, it's not always like that, but this is the beauty of Lent. Like it is a, a season where we go to the desert and like, we're able to get rid of all the, all the, you know, baggage. The baggage, and it's those everyday instincts of of the of the holy person, the the person who actually is in union with Christ. It's those everyday instincts that are most obvious and most useful for evangelization. So, for example, why is Mother Teresa famous? Is it because of her? like long discernment decisions where she had this grand vision of how everything would like, is it her leadership skills? Is it her, you know what I'm saying? She's famous because every day she seemed to live a life that was the life God would live. It was the life Christ would live. 
And I'm not saying we shouldn't make big plans and decisions and have visions. What I'm saying is that this this scriptural text of they will know they are Christians by their love is, in fact, a recognition of this instinct that you're describing. It's this spiritual discipline that's so sincere, so real, that people say things and do things the way Christ would do them without thinking about it, right? It's the way they treat their coworker. It's the way they love their kids. It's the way they sacrifice for their spouse without even calculating all of that. And like Mother Teresa put it, love gives without calculating the costs, you know? And so it's this instinct to give of yourself in every moment um, that is uniquely Christian, that's uniquely Christ. And so even Christ himself, like what made him credible amongst those that actually appreciated his presence and see him, it was the way he loved and healed. And all of those things came up not according to plan, you know, like he was on his way to something else Mm -hmm. and somebody stopped him and said, hey, heal my daughter. That's why he gives us this parable of the, uh, the Good Samaritan. There's a lot, you know, if you're walking down the road and you see someone in need, He's saying there's an instinct you need to develop to care for people, to love people in the moments of your life that's very important. Um, And so Lent gets all that baggage out, like you said, of self-love, self-importance, all the plans that I might have for myself. Like, for example, Paul, this is the first year. This is kind of a milestone Lent for me. It's the first Lent. What is it? It's the first Lent where, like, I'm giving up on on a penance or, like, modifying You're shifting it. gears. I'm shifting it. Yeah, and that's good discernment. Okay, tell me about this. <clears throat> well, usually I, I like hit a penance. I, th- I think about it well. It's thought out. So like it works. Okay. But this year, I don't know if I didn't think it through. I don't know. But I just, I needed something a little deeper. Like I needed to be punched in the gut. So I picked a penance that I didn't realize how much it would impact my wife and or my kids because it was food related. So like... um. So you got, you know, a little grumpy because of your fast was well, a little more too like intense. Well, more like I put more work on her right. with normally meal plans <laughs> yes. to try to accommodate my penance. She's like, hey, you're putting your fast on me there, bud. Right. And so I was like, all right, let's just forget it. Let's shift gears, <laughs> right? Because my, my my fast is about me not not causing you right. suffering. And you already have your own fasting That's right. that you're doing. I've had to shift gears like that before too, where my wife is like, "Yeah, this isn't working out for me. <laughs> <laughs> Your fast isn't supposed to be suffering for me." Like I support you, buddy, but um, uh, yeah, you 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 know, you went way too far with this, <laughs> and I'm like, "You're right. Like uh, I probably should, you know, adapt." And I think that that's that's good. We you know we kind of adapt. All right, let's take a break. Healthcare that works better and costs less? Seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844 844- Three eight seven eight five three three. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for being with us today on the podcast on the radio here in Lafayette, Louisiana, Acadiana, and everyone listening wherever you are all over the place. Uh, Lenten edition of the show. We're on like 
we're almost to show 200 and i don't know like yeah when, we're we, at, when we do that we're at 194 we should celebrate something wait a minute wait a minute what? we're gonna hit 200 like at easter yeah wow that would be interesting like exactly on the dot mm-hmm. whoa yeah so this is kind of a big week in lit like there's a lot of cool saints this week mm-hmm. um we hit a solemnity so mm-hmm. you know it's it's kind of a cool week in Lent, which is weird because it's Lent, but then you're like you get a little break, but you know, there's there's a you know, a couple of cool things. So do you have a weird Catholic stuff? What? What are you talking about here? You're just making that up. No, I'm not. There's literally no way that's true. Come on. You're outrageous. All right, so you know it's St. Patrick's Day. Yes, this week is St. Patrick's Day, which is in the middle of Lent, which falls on his birthday, which is his feast day, the day he died, by right, the way. Right, right. It's his feast day. Eternal it's birthday, big yeah. Irish saint. And if we're going to give a shout-out during Mardi Gras to all the Cajuns and the French, mm-hmm. we certainly have to honor our Irish brothers and sisters. <laughs> our Irish brothers and sisters. Top of the morning to you. Now, I do have Irish blood John in John O'Connell. A lot of... A lot of uh, you know, do you? I do too. European, Eastern, you know, bloodline. I do too. My grandmother was a Kilchrist. So, any, really? Yes. So, anyway, <laughs> but what's weird about this? Well, okay, so I thought we could do a St. Patrick's edition. I think what we should do is um, I found this little article about 11 surprising St. Patrick's Day facts you never knew. Okay. So, it's not, it's not our typical weird Catholic stuff, right. but I think people will appreciate it. Does that sound good? Yeah. Now, look, this guy was impressive. You know, he was a slave, and then he he became a priest and a bishop, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, really was huge in converting Ireland, right? Yeah. I mean, you he's know, the apostle to Ireland. Some traditions say he wasn't born in Ireland, but got moved, Correct. you know, shipped there, and then... Well, that's the first thing. He wasn't know. Irish. Yeah. He was British. And he was kidnapped and sold into slavery. There you go. In Ireland... Found freedom, like escaped, became a priest, and asked to go back to Ireland. And then that's what happened. So that's the first weird thing. If you didn't know that about St. Patrick. Yeah. You got to know that. All right. Okay, second thing. Yeah. The robes he liked to wear, he was pretty consistent in color. It wasn't green. Apparently, he really liked to wear blue robes. I don't okay. know how they know that. I don't either. Because there's a lot of thing about, things about St. Patrick. Look, this guy wasn't around like... You know, a few years ago, right. this is like this is the four hundred, four hundred, right? Like, and they're still like, you know, he was around four fifteen to like four ninety something. You know, I mean, that's so long ago. Like, some of the history is kind of shady. Now they know mm. specific facts about him, but there's some legends as well. You yeah. know, well, apparently there's a legend about him preferring blue, like tunics when he would walk around. Or okay, whatever. Good, well, good for him. Yeah, good for him. Not green. <laughs> Not green. Uh, third. So you know the whole snake thing. If you don't know the snake thing, the story goes that, speaking of snakes from Australia, that... I, um, I don't know the snake thing. Well, there's no snakes in Ireland. You should go to Ireland. I would live very well there. There's no snakes, actually. And I love potatoes. But the legend has it that St. Patrick, to kind of demonstrate his power over, like, the god of Patrick over the Druids and the pagan gods, drove all the snakes out of Ireland... Into the sea. They're gone. Where they never came back. That's the legend. No, it was a very pagan country. 
when he was there. Correct. Like the conversion. Yes, absolutely. Like in his lifetime, he, he did what every one of us would only dream of doing. He walked into a whole area that hated God right, and wanted to kill him and then like made them all Christian. That's it's awesome. crazy. Anyway, um, but I mean, apparently fossil records show that there never really were snakes in Ireland. How cool so. is that? Like it must be the climate for sure, you know, and the, you know, the whatever, but the region. But yeah. That, that's not a bad thing. It's like living in a place that has no mosquitoes. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. You really don't like snakes. Mm-mm. Sounds like you should go on vacation there. Um, so apparently until about 100 years ago, pubs were closed on St. Patrick's Day. In other words, it had a much more like holy day feel. Right, because this is like his feast. This is his feast day. You know, they really honor him as the patron saint of Ireland. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so they shut down the the carousing. Okay. <clears throat> but then about 100 years ago is when that all changed. And then by 1970, it was like entrenched. So this is the day you got really So when really Ireland drunk. basically started becoming pagan again. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it just busted <laughs> open the bars. Yeah. And, you know, it was like party time for St. Patrick. <laughs> That's right. Um, no, I, I was reading, and I, and I know this, and this might be one of the ones on there, is that uh, because his, you know, his feast day falls in the middle of Lent, in, in Ireland, do they have do they have like dispensation from their fast on this day? You, you were going in the right direction. That was the next thing. So we don't know this because we're not from Ireland, but when in Ireland, it's a holy day of obligation, St. Patrick's Day. Okay. So it's a solemnity. Wow. Which allows you to eat meat if it's on a Friday and, and like break your fast or whatever else. Okay. So it's been raised in Ireland to that. I mean, holy day of obligation is pretty serious. Right. You got to go to mass. <laughs> so, yeah. But solemnity, explain solemnity because we're going to talk about another solemnity that we cel- you know, we celebrate as a church this yeah, week. Saint explain Joseph. solemnity, particularly in the middle of Lent. Yeah. There are, so there are ranks of, fe- of feasts and memorials of saints. Um, I haven't counted them, but I would say one, two, three, four, five, six different ranks mm-hmm. of, of like a day. Right. And um, in Lent, everything below a feast day just gets turned into a commemoration, which is the lowest rank. So like we've had plenty of saints since Lent started, but have you noticed if you go to daily mass, you haven't seen white? Like on St. Catherine Drexel's day, the day after Ash Wednesday, the priest didn't wear white. That's because it's demoted to a commemoration, right. which means you don't have specific prayers, you don't wear white, whatever else. But only the feasts are above, like, actually remain in Lent. And so a feast is under a solemnity. Um, a solemnity is, like, the second to highest possible rank. Uh, but a solemnity is like a Sunday. So, um, like St. Joseph's Day, which is going to be this Saturday, it's so like tomorrow when this airs, um, it's a solemnity, so it's it's like a Sunday. So the feast of Saint Joseph, which we celebrate, the solemnity of Saint Joseph, and what many cultures celebrate, is Saint Joseph's altar, mm-hmm. is a break from the fast. Correct. It, we celebrate it as as a Sunday. You're not allowed to fast, and so mm-hmm. this happens on a Saturday. Now, if it happened on a Wednesday, we would still do the same. Is that what Correct. you're saying? Correct. And if it happened on a Friday, this freaked people out last year. We have something like this at the end of this Lent. March 25th is the solemnity of the Annunciation. It's on a Friday. Heck yeah, baby. You Not only can you eat meat, you should eat meat. Or you shouldn't avoid meat is really the thing. Like, don't make a decision that's penitential. So we should celebrate. Like, it's it's like we need to rejoice in this feast. Right. On a Friday, which is going to freak some people out. It will. um, So the next thing on the list was that it's a break from Lent, and they do eat 
beef now um, on a Friday. Now, apparently, the whole parade thing, St. Patrick Day Parade, is just an American invention. They don't do this in Ireland. That's what <clears> I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Now, they do celebrate in Ireland, but yeah, the whole parade thing, I don't know. America is taking parades to the next level. You know, mm-hmm. we love a parade, whether it's like Thanksgiving Day Parade, Mardi Gras Parade, St. Patrick's Day Parades. Yeah. You know, I mean, we are, you know, the pioneers of making we love parades. a religious, particularly a religious holiday, you know, into a total, you know. Something you could sell things at. Debauchery. <laughs> yeah. Something you could... Drink a lot and sell things. That's yeah. kind of our thing. Yeah. All right. Two more interesting facts about St. Patrick's Day. Um, it is celebrated in outer space. So apparently on the International Space Station, this is good. St. Patrick's Day is a is a big a big deal. So if we have an astronaut who listens to the show, if you could you know reach out to us to confirm this. If we have an astronaut who listens to this show, I will pay you a thousand dollars. Okay. Like I, and I don't have a thousand. The chances but, of this happening are very 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 big. Really? Yeah. You know somebody? I'm just saying. Okay. Do not doubt. I mean, how many people are on the International Space Station? I, I would say like a dozen. Maybe, I don't know, maybe more. I don't know. Okay. This we don't know. I would be shocked and surprised, but pleasantly surprised. All right, the last. Um, did you know there's actually a co-patron of Ireland? So St. Patrick is patron of Ireland for sure, but there's a co-patron. He's he, not the only one. He had to split it in half or what? They split it in half. It's like a co-pilot? That's right. Um, there's others. Actually, more than one. So St. Bridget and St. Columba. Now, Columba was Scottish, if I remember correctly, but like, so he was not from Ireland either. So anyway, you know, spread the love on Saint, on in Ireland. Like, when you go to Ireland, St. Patrick's a big deal, but just don't forget, other people are big deals too. We've had some great saints in Ireland. Okay, so, so St. Patrick's Day falls on a Thursday, the 17th, this year. But that's not a solemnity. Like, we don't break our fast. Here in America, Here no. in America. Okay, but we, you know, obviously honor the saints, celebrate. Yeah. Wear green so they don't pinch you. We don't know where mm-hmm. that comes from. The leprechauns are sort of like this myth. You know, people would ask about, like, the, the um, you know, the the clover, you know, you know, which tradition would say that, you know, they don't know this for certain, but St. Patrick used the clover to explain the trinity, mm-hmm. you know, and so, like, you know, that's kind of a thing, you know, whatever, but... You know, here in America, we still have to fast. It's not a holy day. However, keep your hopes alive because three days later on a Saturday, it, we celebrate St. Joseph. I have heard, before we move on to St. Joseph, because I definitely talk about Joseph, but I have heard that certain groups of Irish Catholics, I think in New York City, and I don't know where else, but they, if St. Patrick's Day is on a Friday... They give them dispensation as if it was a solemnity, or they make it a solemnity. The local ordinary can do that, right? Right. The bishop. Right. Right. Yeah, and there are some strong cultures here in America that are, like, you know, highly Irish. So, mm. you know, like like maybe people wouldn't understand how we celebrate Mardi Gras on here, because, like, to them, they're like, it's just like, what does that even look like or mean? Right. There are places in our country that are, like, heavily Irish populations that still hold these traditions very, very high. So, you know, the local bishop ordinary could you know, give them dispensation to celebrate. Mm-hmm. So no judging. <laughs> if you see on TV, <laughs> someone with a drumstick in their mouth and a, and a beer in and, a, and a beer in their hand and a snake at their feet. You have no idea. <laughs> Maybe the Bishop was like, you can do that. <laughs> you, c- you could do that. Signed Bishop. <laughs> yeah. So St. Joseph, uh, right around the corner. 
Do you have a solemnity? So what do you know about like this, the tradition of the St. Joseph altar? Because, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's kind of this thing that we celebrate, you know, some cultures celebrate this and it's, and it's always on the feast of St. Joseph, obviously it's this solemnity. This is high feast day. We break our fast St. Joseph. Why? Because he was a, you know, a, you know, I mean, he's the man, he's the man, like he's the, the man of men. You know, yeah. What's interesting, I mean, theologically, as a church, we've come to understand this more and more and more. Kind of like Our Lady in her role, we've come to understand it more and more as time has gone on. But one one of the principles that makes that people need to realize when they think about Saint Joseph is that there's a certain um, order of creation. If you remember, there was. The, the seven days of creation or six days of creation and the resting and each day had a certain group that was created if you remember mm-hmm. and then the it, it was building in complexity and then God created man on the sixth day and gave him charge and dominion over creation there's also an order in redemption and so when it comes to the church there's like these orders and those who directly participate in the incarnation, in Christ, in God becoming a man in Christ, they belong to a certain order, this direct participation, versus like you and I, um, we participated in our own way, but like Mary made it happen, right? Like her yes was a direct participation making it happen that, that God became man. St. Joseph also has this direct participation because he, you know, even though he was not the biological DNA source of the humanity of Christ, in every other way, which is the way it counts, he is the father of Jesus, hmm. right? <clears throat> like we would never tell someone who adopted a son, oh, he's, you know, he's not your son. Well, yeah, he is. Yeah. You know, in every way that matters except DNA. And God the Father you know, gave Jesus a true human nature, which means he needs a true father, right? And so Joseph being Christ's father is not accidental. It's not like a side thing. It's essential to the incarnation because, you know, you and I would not be fully human if we didn't have a dad. Right. Jesus would not be fully human if he didn't have a dad. Hmm. It's not like God the father was Jesus's dad and Mary was his mom and, you know, like a lot of times... No, Joseph is his dad, right. and that's part of being human. And so if we can't, we can't um, offend Joseph without offending Jesus to say, you know, to diminish his fatherhood of Christ, to diminish his role in the incarnation. Every time we do that, we're offending the humanity of Christ because we're claiming that Jesus is something other than fully human. So that being said, this is why we raise Joseph so high and make it a solemnity and make it a big deal because we're making Christ a big deal that God became a man with a human father, hmm. um, and that everything that Christ learned, human, he learned from his father. And when you think culturally, particularly that long ago in the Jewish culture, everything a son learned was from his father, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, Jesus didn't just wake up and be like, oh, I'm going to work with my hands and masonry and be a carpenter. No, I mean, he like rubbed elbows with Joseph, right? And learned craft from his father. Like that's how you learned intellectually, you know, as well. And so, so much of Jesus' human formation came 
not only from Mary and Joseph, but from Joseph, right? Yeah. And, is, and in some ways, it sort of bothers me when people sort of downgrade Joseph to say he was the stepdad of Jesus. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've had stepdads, you know, or people have had stepdads. They're, they, they're not your real dad, right? Mm. So what you're saying is like Joseph was a stepdad. Like he wasn't just sort of like a fill-in. And, and step, stepdad and, and Jesus had some other dad, mm. right? Is Joseph adopted Jesus. And if you would speak to any family who's adopted a kid, they wouldn't say, this is my stepkid. This is right. my adoptive kid. They would say, this is my child. It's got my last name. It's It's... Like, this is my child, right? And I just ran into a friend in the grocery store this week who they, 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 they can't have children themselves, and they just adopted a child at infancy. And, dude, the joy on this man's face. And the way he talked about his baby was like, this is our child. We, he, he literally said, we just had our first baby. Mm-hmm. Like, and, you know, like, it, it's, it was so amazing, like, to see that they had already taken that child into themselves, like into their family. And that child was uh, not any different because they weren't blood, you know? Mm-hmm. You talk to any any family like that, like you, you see this and, it, and it's beautiful. So Joseph would have known and treated and Jesus as his own, you know, son, yeah. and taught him all the things, you know? So St. Joseph, we, we commemorate and celebrate this solemnity, this feast, you know, I've been writing a, a chapter about him in this in this book I'm writing, but in no means encompasses the the greatness of his sainthood. So there's devotions about Joseph that are out there that that we can read. There there is now you can um you know do consecration to Saint Joseph. You know, particularly for men, it's a beautiful way to like really unite our hearts to grow in like holy manhood. You know. As as Joseph did, you know, mm-hmm. and modeled. But we celebrate this thing. If you've if you've never heard of it, uh, from Alyssa, is, is uh, Saint Joseph's altar. A lot of parishes celebrate that. So if we're going to give a shout out to the French for Mardi Gras, and <laughs> a shout out to the Irish for Saint Patrick's Day, Saint Joseph's altar actually is a tradition that started in Sicily. Mm-hmm. The Italians, particularly the Sicilians on the island of Sicily. Uh, went through a major drought, uh, and they prayed and prayed and prayed, and they prayed for the intercession of St. Joseph, and finally rain came. You know, I'm kind of making this short, but you can you can read about it. And they had set up an altar to St. Joseph, like a, as a <clears throat> like an intercession to St. Joseph, and um, basically made offerings, you know, and we were just like, Lord, please, you know, rescue us, save us, you know, send rain for our crops, so that we can eat, you know, there's a drought. And um, they pleaded St. Joseph for relief from famine that gripped the island. And, and at last, skies opened, sending down life-giving water. The people rejoiced. Um, and so that's when St. Joseph's altar uh, started. And, like, so on his feast day, a lot of people traditionally, Catholics, Italians, Sicilians, and, and it's kind of spread over into, into all over, is... Uh, they set up this beautiful feast. Like you said, like it's a feast day, like you break your fast. So like if you go to a St. Joseph's altar, there's bread and desserts and food, you know, 
to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, and <clears throat> the idea that, <clears throat> you know, Joseph continues to be a father and not a foster father to us. And, and I'm going to connect where you're going with the St. Joseph altar in, in that way is that in the same way, I just thought it was very moving the way you, you talked about your friend and like how, how that child was their own. I hope everybody can understand Joseph looks at us like that too, right? So like if we're brothers and sisters in Christ, with Christ, which scripture describes us as, then Mary is our mother. And I think our Catholic instinct is to buy into that, right? Like we look at Mary as mom. Don't look at Joseph as my stepdad or foster dad, because that's not how he looks at you. He looks at you as his son, his daughter, which is why uh, we just had a year of St. Joseph to commemorate the 150th anniversary of the pronouncement of Joseph as the universal patron of the church, meaning he's our dad. He's the one who provides for us, who protects us. He, he loves me. Now, God is my father, for sure, and I have an earthly father, but in the order of grace, <clears throat> I also have this human father, Joseph. And this altar <clears throat> started because of a need that they went to their dad with and dad provided. And so you and I that participate in an altar today, even if we're not Sicilian, even if we're not in a drought, we have lots of needs. And so mm-hmm. every year, this tradition is a way to go to dad, to, to Joseph, go Ooh. to Joseph and say, here are our needs, mm-hmm. you know? And we, we um, so yeah, it's fun. It's celebratory. We're celebrating Joseph, but it's also a way of yearly just taking a day with dad and saying, dad, mm-hmm. this is what I need, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and to experience the love of Joseph, because he loves us like that. He loves us like the man you were talking about loves his kid, in fact, even more so, because he loves his son, Jesus, so much, and that we are so united to him in baptism that he looks at us the same way. Hmm. And um, so to to enjoy that love of Joseph is important. And an altar, the St. Joseph's altar, is a great way to do that. I love that point, you know, that we can, uh, you know, just like Mardi Gras, not make it about Mardi Gras, it's, it's about preparing for Lent Ash Wednesday and like, you know, as, as well as celebrating, you know, the feast, uh, St. Patrick's day making about what, you know, the St. Joseph's altar is like, if we make it a spiritual moment of like looking at as like what areas of my life that where I'm experiencing drought. Right. And I I need, I need refreshment. I need Mm -hmm. to come alive you know, and you're recognizing that in your life and in your faith, particularly during Lent. Man, pray to St. Joseph's intercession. You know, maybe God's just calling you to do that so that, like, rain could come down, right? And, mm-hmm. and like, life can grow again in your heart and in your in wh- wherever you need it to grow. And a father's love is so... There is a drought of father's love out there. I mean, it's, a, it's probably the drought, humanly speaking, of our time. I mean, there's so much we could say. But statistically, a father's love, there's a drought. There's a huge drought. And very few of us have even had the experience of being in a tough spot or like a a sense of, I need encouragement, I need some direction, whatever, and then our dad was there to give it. Mm -hmm. right? Like dad was, at least in an adult way, few of us have experienced dad being there for you like that. Um, I have, and I'm thankful to God for it. So like it helps me think about Joseph in that kind of way. But point being, because we're in a drought, some of us don't even know how thirsty we are for our dad. And and yeah, we, we, we talk about God the Father that way for sure. 
but God, who knows that we're human, just like his son is human, Christ. And so when he sent his son into the world, says because he's human, he needs a human father, a human father with a perfect heart to love him, right? And we don't believe that Joseph was conceived immaculately. We don't teach that necessarily. But we do in our tradition hold that Joseph was was justified in the womb and made prepared, just like Mary was prepared to be the mother of Christ, Joseph was prepared to be the father of God's son. That same heart, Joseph's heart, beats with love for us because God knows we need a human father. God knows we need a human father with a human heart that's going to love us that way. And Joseph is that for everyone who looks for him. So, you know, I would encourage everybody with your dad wounds, with your dad issues, if you find consolation in God the Father, that's awesome. But it's almost like if God the Father was taken... Joseph's face is the closest thing we have on earth to an image of God the Father. Hmm. So much so that it was a fitting image for his own son. Hmm. That God the Father thought it was fitting enough that he would look at his son through the eyes of Joseph with the father's eyes, with the human love of Joseph. Right. And so we, we're all given that opportunity. And so the solemnity of St. Joseph can be a profound experience for all of us who are experiencing that drought of father love and father affection. I know for me it's, it's, been, um, it's been huge, especially recently. Everybody's getting into Joseph lately, this year of St. Joseph. It's a good thing to get it's into. a big year for me. All right, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844 387 8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for listening in. Wow, good segment, good show. Uh, whew, I got a lot to think about from that last segment. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, I'm like uh, praying for rain spiritual rain you know i've never really thought about that with the yeah. saint joseph's altar it's not something that <clears throat> me and my family have ever really celebrated i mean we know about it but you know we're not traditionally and look it's not just for italians just like any other feast day or things mm -hmm. it's not our traditions but um you know it's just not something we grew up with and um you know the more i kind of ponder on it and then you know the reality of saint joseph and the coolness of like St. Joseph's altar and the solemnity is like, man, like this image of like just praying for like the dry places, like rain, like to, to, to come, like, I don't know. Like, I, I think I have a great image to kind of, <laughs> to kind of go with there, but that's just me. Yeah, no, same here. I mean, um, I need so much and the need, <clears throat> like we can't solve our needs. So parents, when we become parents, our whole existence is to meet the need of that little infant who can't do anything. Like we're need meters, you know, when we find need, we meet it. And so uh, God knows we need that. And so he gave us Christ. He also gave us two human parents, mm -hmm. you know, Mary and Joseph, um, his own parents he shared with us. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm certainly always trying to like be a better husband and father praying, you know, a lot. And I'm imperfect because I'm imperfect human, but I have found like my kids have gotten older. Some have moved out of the house and 
you know, they, they become self-reliant, right? They have their own jobs and, you know, <clears throat> do their own things. And, you know, we don't see them as often, talk to them as often. But I do find, like, the one thing I'll ask when I talk to them is, like, what do you need? Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's sometimes the only thing I can ask, like, are you okay? And what do you need? You know, I just want them to know, like, what do they need? Like, if they need something, like, I'm here for them. Like, I, um, you know, I can't do everything but like what do you need like i want that to be a place where they can come like and i don't know i'm not always great at that but you know we can go to our father you know and and he he's saying like what do you need you know and and i think you know we've talked a lot about on the show in the past just becoming spiritually self-aware you know emotionally self-aware mm-hmm. of what are you know we like unless we know what we need we can't ask for it right and which is true even in our own marriages. Like if, if you need your spouse to do something, but you don't tell your spouse and you expect your spouse to guess what you need. Well, th- I mean, that's failure right there, yeah. right? Like, it's not like gonna work out. no one's a mind reader, emotionally, you know, like I can't guess what my wife needs. Like I can, I can intuit. I can learn a lot about her, what she likes and dislikes. And I can anticipate certainly, but, like, I don't know fully. Like, tell me, like, well, how can I help you? What do you need? So although the Lord knows our thoughts and he, he counts every hair on our head, it, it is important for us to understand what our needs are so we can ask the Father, mm-hmm. who at the same time is pursuing us and saying, what, what do you need? Well, I need rain right now. I'm dry and thirsty, Lord. Rain and spaghetti, apparently. Send your rain, you know. Which is interesting, you know, we're talking about rain. Last week we talked about a little bit, and you can go back and listen on the podcast about the woman at the well. And that's this Sunday's reading is the woman mm-hmm. at the well. So this week is just like packed with amazing stuff. Just packed. And she experiences, you know, we didn't get to talk about the basically the second half of that of that gospel. She experiences life giving water, not not just like physically like the drink from the well in the face of Jesus, she experiences life giving water. It changes her. There, there is a drought in her life and she experiences rain, Mm -hmm. the rain of God literally in her life. And it's like for the first time in her life, she's understands like how, how parched she was and that she could be fulfilled, you know, her, her past, her sinful ways. And now she's fulfilled in Christ so much so that her Lent, you know, like she's experiencing life. She goes back into town and begins to tell people about her experience of Jesus. She does that. This sinful woman goes back and says, I, I've met the Messiah. I have experienced new life. I, I drank life giving water. I saw his face and it changed my life. That is how we should be after Lent. Mm. Like at, at the end of Lent, Easter is like, I I have been to the desert. I have experienced a new drink of water. I've seen the face of Jesus and I, I am ready to commit to new life in Christ and share him with the world. I mean, that's at least my hope. I don't want to put that on everyone <laughs> else. But like, if, if not, Lent's just like a, a to-do list, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. Like if, if Lent doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter. Right? Like Yeah. Well had me thinking about that when you were saying it was like in that same vein. Apparently she was not known for her 
enthusiasm or devotion about the Messiah, maybe. She knew some stuff. Remember, she asked Jesus, like, a theological question. You people say we should worship in Jerusalem, but we say on this mountain. So what do you think, Jesus? Like, she she wasn't, like, a sinner, necessarily, like, in the public's eyes. Because, I mean, she, she, ha- she had many husbands, right? So there was that issue. All I'm saying is she wasn't, like, completely divorced from religious life. However, apparently she wasn't... This wasn't a normal thing for her to walk into town and say, I'm really excited to tell you something about, you know, religious things. And so people paid attention to her because of this difference that was clear about her. And this is one of the things I pray often to the Lord about. It's like, Lord, keep me away from such complacency that, like, I don't exude discovery anymore. Like, people just expect me to say certain things about you. People just expect me to do certain things. If, if I don't change enough to where I can walk into my office, walk into my home, walk into my church, and people say something changed in that man, you know, like some, something from Lent, for example, this Lent is different about him, then like I've lost the ability to evangelize hmm. because I'm just going to do what's expected. And when people do what's expected, even if it's a good holy thing, right? Like even if people expect me to say something about Jesus, people expect me to whatever. And I'm not saying consistency not is not good. It is good. But what I am saying is, where does the newness of the gospel come from? Conversion. That's where it comes from. And so if I'm not exuding a newness anymore about the gospel, what what happened? I'm not changing anymore. I'm not going from drought to, to living water. I'm not going from the wells too deep to I found, you know what I'm saying? And Lent wasn't effective for me. So I pray to the Lord often, you know, keep me changing. Don't let me stop changing. Um, because when I stop changing, I'll stop evangelizing. Amen. I mean, you know, I can tie everything in. You sure can. You're, you're a master. If you were to ask a firefighter, what is one thing they need? The water. That's true. Like, you know, you're not putting out a fire without water. That's right. I mean, you, 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 your little fire spray thing, that only lasts about a minute, you know? Right. You need water. You need a fire hydrant to plug into, and then it, it just, like, explodes. And, like, you know, Lent is, like, reconnecting to that fire hydrant, which is the Lord. And, and I, I remember my spiritual director telling me one time, he's like, it's like in your life right now, like, you only have the spigot on the, on the faucet turn barely on, and it's just dripping. He's like, you need to let the Lord just turn it on and let – water flow and I remember just thinking like wow like that's not good <laughs> you know like what's what's keeping the water from totally like just flowing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and you know we need water we do we need rain we we need God doesn't want us to live in drought he wants to be fruitful and life to grow and for us to have peace you know so we got a lot of intercession this week St. Patrick <sighs> you ain't kidding you know the converter of you know the the Ireland, Saint Joseph, you know, uh, lots of cool things. The woman at the well. So th- let this week be a good week in Lent for you. Make it rain. Make it rain. Make it rain. So thanks for listening, you guys, to the show this week. Uh, feel free to share the podcast with others on Google Play, uh, iTunes, wherever the case may be. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the radio show here in Acadiana, KLFT Radio, and for all our sponsors. And we will be back next week. God bless.